Well, hello everyone and welcome to Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. And do we have a treat for you today or what? We have all of our Rom Book Pod crew with us today. So we have Anna, Danny, Sarah Jean, Melinda, myself, and of course, behind the scenes, Sarah, our producer. And we have our very special guest. We have Miss Bev. Miss Beverly Jenkins is here. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and we Woo-hoo. are so glad that you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you so much for the invite. I am looking forward to, to having a little bit of fun here in the middle of this very, very warm Michigan day. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> Well, we hope you have fun as well. And we have we have some questions that we want to ask you, some, some things we want to chat with you about. We just want to just jump right on in here into it. I don't actually remember who had our first question. That would be me. Oh, uh, it is Melinda. Are you doing okay. good? Excellent. I am great. I am so excited to be talking to you today. So your book, Vivid, which is my favorite book of yours, it is turning 25 this year, which is amazing to me. So this book was my first book of yours. And I fell immediately madly in love with it. It made the biggest impression on me. It's followed closely by Destiny's Surrender as my favorite. But what makes Vivid special to you as a book? First of all, she was supposed to be book three. Oh. It was it was supposed to be Night Song, then Indigo, then Vivid. But you talk to writers and they talk about characters in their heads and all this. Well, Miss Vivica Lancaster did not want to be third. <laughs> I can see that about her. She wanted to be second. So wrote the book. Um, she's special in many ways, but I think the most important way is because she represents the very little known um, African-American female doctors right. in the 19th century. So I wanted wanted to highlight that. I wanted to highlight these ceiling-breaking women. They were doctors in places where, especially in the South, where in some communities and some regions and counties, there were no doctors at all. So not only were they special in that way, but they were special in, in the sense of bringing health care to areas that had none. So she's special in that sense. Um, she's special in the sense of being just a fantastic stepmom to, to, to um, magic. Um, I love magic. <laughs> for those who don't have not read the book, uh, magic is our hero's adopted daughter. And she is quite a force of nature at what 11 10 however old she is so it just being able to highlight those doctors and and putting them in the light and and turning them from you know unseen heroes heroines heroes heroines um into uh, and giving them the the recognition that they deserve so that's why she's special she does a little bit of everything in that book. And I can imagine that those doctors in that time did a little bit of everything. And I love the way that you um, really brought that to light. And she had that struggle of dealing with the classism and, you know, just being nobody wanted to come to see her because she was a woman. So I just loved how you did that with bringing her all of that with her. Yeah. Well, she, you know, she had that, she had that double, you know, yoke to bear. She had the um, being black and then being a female doctor. So, you know, she was dealing with battling on, on quite a few different levels. But she handled it well. Um, you know, <laughs> she handles she, it amazing. <laughs> you know, she she kicked ass and took names after a while. Um, I mean, even the opening scene, you know, where she, you know, shoots Nate's heads off, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not to be played with. You know, she she let that known be known from you know the, the very first meeting. So and that is where I fell in love with her. And I wrecked this book to everyone because it's like I said, my favorite of yours. And that is how I wrecked it to everyone. I'm like, okay, she shoots his hat 
off of his head. How can you not love her? Like it's the best meeting. It was not the very first meeting, but it's in almost the very first scene. And it's just the yeah. best. Yeah. It, and I feel like that's almost the prototypical Beverly Jenkins heroine in that she's not to be trifled with. Like, no, no, I'm not here to play with y'all, you know, um, I mean, even when he first meets her and, and he's looking for the doctor at the train station and she's sitting there and he says, well, you know, are you looking for, he's looking for the doctor. And she says, I'm the doctor. And he says, no, I'm looking for a doctor, not somebody to play doctor with, you know, and she's like, OK, motherfucker, I'm just going to sit here. And, and she know, just sits there and watches him keep on walking. <laughs> I just listened to this again. I just love that scene. She just watches him walk on by and keeps looking around. And she's like, mm-hmm, okay, you keep on looking. <laughs> right. When you when you get a clue, come on back. I'll be sitting right here. You know. So you learn from the beginning that uh, that she's a force. So I'm so glad you enjoyed that book. Oh, I love that book so much. So like I said, your heroines are amazing. And I feel like in all the books I've read of yours, which are quite a few, they're all very much a force to be reckoned with. And so your next book, your heroine is Spring Lee. Right. Um, and that's in Wild Rain, which is coming out in 2021. Mm-hmm. And the Women Who Dare series. So what makes Spring unique as a Beverly Jenkins heroine? I don't know if, well, she's unique in the sense that she's a rancher. I've only done Ooh. two lady ranchers, I think. And after 45 books, who knows what her <laughs> I think she's yeah. I think she's just her and Jesse Rose are the, the the two ranchers. She is different, I think, from a from many heroines in the sense that she doesn't want to have kids. Oh my gosh, that is so my thing. I'm so excited now. You know it it and you know is not apologetic about it, and and falling in love doesn't change her mind. Oh my gosh. So. Um, she's had a very <clears throat> interesting past, and she has taken that and turned herself into. I mean, she's the girl's hard. I mean, she's she she loves her her sister-in-law. She's the sister of Colton Lee from uh, Tempest, oh. but she's a woman who lives by her own rules. She has her own agency, and fuck you if you don't get you know don't go along with it but I loved writing her in the sense that this woman knew what she wanted but the hero comes in and he doesn't change her and she says he didn't change me into a better person he changed me into a different person so you know I think people are gonna either love or hate her I enjoyed her but she's very very adamant about what she believes who she is and you know fuck them if they can't take a joke you know so i'll be shouting that from the rooftops because (laughs) i can't tell you how many people i talk to who are looking for books who are um with heroines who don't want kids and don't change their minds about that so that makes me really excited yeah the magic peen does not make her change her mind I love that so much. I'm so excited for that. Oh, good, good. Come on. I think it'll be out in February, I think. Awesome. Excellent. I'm so excited. Hi, my name is Zafia Edwards. My first Beverly Jenkins book was Vivid. I was too young to read it, so I stuck in my mom's room and got the book, and I never looked back. Vivid opened my eyes to reality that I did not know about as an African-American. An all-black town thriving with the heroine of the story being a female doctor that did not take no for an answer. She chased her dreams of career, independence, freedom, equality, love, and happiness. I mean, wow. This book opened me up to a history, to our history, and although I have read every Beverly Jenkins book, Vivid holds a very special place in my heart. So, Ms. Bev, I get to ask you a couple more questions. Now, Always and Forever is turning 20, and something like love, turning 15. And like many of your stories, they're interconnected. What appeals to you about building a web of interconnected stories across books, subgenres, and generations? I hadn't planned on doing that. 
you know, I was like, because people say, well, do you write series? I go, no. And they said, but this, 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 and this is connected. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, you know, they weren't written, especially the backlist of which those three books are a part mm -hmm. of. A lot of it was fan reader driven. Well, Miss Bad, we want, you know, this story. I Miss Bad, we want that story. I Miss Bad, we want this story. And if I felt that that, um, because most of the, the, the major players in those books were side characters in other stories. Mm -hmm. um, Neil July was a side character in Taming Jesse Rose, Always and Forever. Grace and Jackson were side characters in Topaz. They were side characters. But if I thought that they had enough, and if I knew them well enough, that I could build a story around them. And it worked out. Well, you know, like, I'm so interested that yeah, you mentioned that fans do it because as fans, romance readers, we do have that sense, right? We right. look at somebody and it's like, if we know their eye color, they're going to be in another story. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I love, I've been reading your book sort of out of order. I'm trying to go back into order now. Yeah. But that actually makes it really fun when somebody shows up and I'm like, hey. I know you from another book. Right, yeah. Stop mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were over here. That's how you guys connect. And um, and so, like, after I, I just finished reading Indigo, and one of my first thoughts was, like, okay, what happened to Galen and Hester's kids? Who, who, who? Yeah. And then I, I was bugging Lily, and she gave me a mention, okay, they're in the Blessing series, and there's also in some of the RS. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy those books. because Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the characters in my women's fiction series, which is the Blessing series, and the characters in my romantic suspense are descendants of my historical characters, which was not something else that was planned, but just sort of, you know, showed up. So I guess it's a hook. Mm -hmm. um, I had one fan who refused for a while to read the Blessing series because she was so in love with the historicals. Mm -hmm. She said, but if I read the Blessing series, that means the historical people are dead. And I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. I said, but you need to get over yourself. Come on now. You know, they are so devoted, some of them, to the historical stories. So, but, but yeah. Your historicals, you have a little bit of that moving forward in time. Like, I love, uh, Forbidden was my first book. And then we pick up in Breathless and Tempest. And things have happened to yeah. Edie and Ryan. They've had your world turned upside down. Yeah. And I, I love that. Because yeah. you're saying... Their love ties them together through everything. Right. And you know, and Ryan first showed up in 1997 in Through the Storm, mm -hmm. his sister's book. Okay. So we, you know, we, we get to see a little bit of him. And then for the, you know, next, what, 15, 20 years, everywhere I went, readers were like, well, what happened to Ryan Fontaine? What happened <laughs> to Ryan Fontaine? I don't know. Um, and if you notice... I dedicated that book to my what I called my Ryan Winers because that's that's what I called them. I didn't know where it was, and then when I saw the the info on the archaeological dig and um, the Boston Saloon in um, Nevada, then I was like, oh, I'm gonna get the saloon to Ryan. Now we know where he is. Now we can write his story, you know. But it took us what 20 years. So, but I'm having fun. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. That's excellent. And what you just mentioned ties into my next question. I'm a former history major, so I love all your historical notes and how you interweave stuff. So I was going to ask, what happens first? Is it you stumble upon a tidbit and and then that sparks a story idea or you have a story idea and then <clears throat> comes through naturally each, some of your other research? Each book is different. Sometimes it starts with an incident. Um, by now, everybody knows, well, hopefully that have read Indigo and have heard me speak know that Indigo came out of a quote from a book called Bullwhip Days, which was an oral compilation of memories and incidents from uh, slavery. And in it, a uh, guy makes a reference to a man who sold himself into slavery, you know, for the love of a woman. And he said that love must be a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, and I couldn't write a book about slavery because there's no HEA in that. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what if, what if um, they had a daughter and she was able to, you know, escape north? And so that was her story. Edie from 
forbidden, running across doing some other research years ago, and the um, guy's diary entries said that he he saw a black woman walking across the desert with a <laughs> stove on her head, small stove, you know, and I'm like, really? And that's what he said, you know, really? <laughs> and so, you know, and that was all I could ever find out mm-hmm. about her. There was mm-hmm. no, nothing else, you know, that I've ever seen that has ever referenced this woman. So I was intrigued. I wanted to give her a name. I wanted to give her a story. And since I didn't know it, I gave her a story and called her Edie Carmichael. And there she was, you know, dying in the desert with Ryan. So um, each book is different. Sometimes it's characters. Um, like with Vivid, it was the doctors that, that fueled the story. And sometimes it's just, you know, okay, who who taps, who's tapped me on the shoulder today to write their story? Um and then you do the research and, you know, you try and get that right. You know, and me being a kitchen table historian and, you know, not a degreed historian, anything that's wrong, you know, it's my fault, not my sources. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and have learned along with my readers as we take this journey. Now, do you have favorite resources to turn to? Yeah, or do you, yeah. I, I do. Um, at the beginning of my career, when I didn't, you know, I knew a little bit about African-American history. As I tell people, my mom was black before it was fashionable. <laughs> so I grew up with uh, black history in my home. Mm-hmm. But my favorite, the resources that I, that I went to at the beginning, time and time again, were the books by Dr. Benjamin Quarles, who um, taught at one of the H- H- HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in the South, just a fabulous historian. Uh, he did books on blacks in the civil war. He did books on blacks in the American revolution, um, black abolitionists. Um, a lot of those books are out of print right now mm-hmm. and they were called the Negro in mm-hmm. because of the times that he was writing. So those were the very, very valuable for my women, <clears throat> the most valuable book in my library to me, I call it my Bible is uh, We Are Your Sisters, mm-hmm. Black Women of the 19th Century, uh, edited by Dorothy A. Sterling. And in it is, I mean, she takes the history of Black women in America from, you know, slavery through um, the early 20th century. And she's got diary excerpts and little known biographical information and, and notes from book clubs Mm-hmm. And, and notes from um, benevolent organizations uh, like there's one that was one that was in Philadelphia called the Daughters of Africa. And she has part of their um, secretarial notes. Oh, wow. And these women and you know, I don't know where she found. I mean, she's been looking, obviously gone through archives and, mm-hmm. and, and, and records and stuff. But these women were uh, domestics and washerwomen. And they would take, you know, the few pennies that they had at the end of the week and pool them. And they would pay for burial services and doctor services and um, sort of like the beginning of a of a uh, of an insurance company mm-hmm. to take care of the community. Because, you know, in the wider majority um, society, you know, didn't care about what happened to, to, to people who look like me. So mm-hmm. this book is very, very valuable. And I always tell women, no matter the race, but I especially tell black women that this is a book that should be in their libraries. Um, for stuff in the West, um, I consult uh, William Lauren Katz, who has a great book called The Black West. It's got fabulous pictures of some of the old outlaws. Um, and then also Art Burton, who lives in Chicago. And he has done a lot with the Buffalo Soldiers. And he's, for me, he did a great book on the black and brown gunfighters Indian territory. Okay. So a lot of the information that I got for Topaz came from his scholarly work. So, so you know, like I said, I'm a kitchen table librarian. I mean, kitchen table historian. I put them all out on my on my kitchen table and you know and and get my 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 sources from people who are actually doing the work mm-hmm. and and turn that into a fictional kind of a background to paint my stories against. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that work because I feel like it grounds the history for a lot of us. Even somebody like, I mean, like I love reading a history book, but I 
think it also gives it the emotions that are often not lost, you know, puts it, it in, the, in those decisions. Yeah, and there's no test on Friday, so, you know, you can, right. <laughs> you can enjoy it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Great questions, dear. Thank you. Hi, this is Carla Fred, and I'd like to share my Beverly Jenkins story. I fell in love with Beverly Jenkins in July of 1994 when I was at my local Walden bookstore, and I saw the cover of Night Song. I immediately bought it. That same year, I attended the RWA conference. Beverly Jenkins was there also. I was an aspiring writer, and Beverly had just sold Night Song. And I met her outside, and she was just the kindest, nicest person I've ever met. So encouraging, just wanting to encourage me to write my own book. And we pretty much have been friends since 1994. So that's when I fell in love with Beverly Jenkins, and this book, Night Song, never leaves my house. Never. Not even my mama gets me to No, she doesn't do it. Uh, hi, Miss Bev. Hi, it Mika. You're outside my... now. <laughs> I am. I changed venues. It's like a beautiful day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted really quickly to kind of touch back on what Anna was, or what you were saying to Anna, because I, you all should be very glad that I was on mute because I definitely was having a Pentecostal moment over here Uh-oh. when you were talking. <laughs> testify, girl. Testify. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and so, like, every time you say something, I'm like, yes. And so, you know, everyone should just be glad I had I was on mute. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about communities. Yes. Um, in your books, communities are definitely centered and you have, you demonstrate every facet of the community, whether it's, you know, the people who are working or the people who are saying that they're working, but they're not. Right. And <laughs> um, the people who are betraying the, the community. And the people who are betraying the community. But so I want to know, I joined your um, Facebook group, your Bevyville. Yes. Um, group. And so I was wondering if you could talk with us about it. I joined it. Before I had read a book, I didn't, I never introduced myself because I was like, oh, what am I going to say? I've never, I've not read a book, but I just joined it because Beverly, Miss Beverly Jenkins is on Twitter, you know, <laughs> and I wanted to see what she's saying on Facebook and she seems, and she's really cool. So I need to join this group. So what made, what made you start the group and, and how has that group evolved like from, from the beginning? Because the members of that group are absolutely incredible. We started, okay, all right, we started when, 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 when groups were young. I had girlfriends who were telling me, you need to be on the internet. I'm like, I don't need to be on the internet. They're like, yes, you do. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. Now you can't get me off the internet. <laughs> um, the first group was a Yahoo group. And that was probably the early 2000s maybe the late 1990s. And it sort of grew out of the women who had been reading me first. And we started connecting. And then we started traveling. They have that original group went from being readers who I connected with every day to becoming sisters of my heart. Um, You have blood sisters and you have sisters of your heart. And we just sort of built a community. We were there to support each other. This is why we're still on Yahoo. And these were the women who got me through my husband's death. They, you know, he he called them his women. (laughs) (laughs) These are my women, you know. Um, And as he was dying, uh, he said he wanted pictures of all of them. So, you know, I still have bulletin boards downstairs with with pictures and they sent you know pictures of themselves and you know period costumes some sent themselves with period pictures of in bikinis they sent pictures of their kids they sent pictures of their animals and like i said they became more than just readers so once yahoo group started to fade away and facebook came about 
We moved everything to Facebook, which let us connect with a lot more readers. And I am there every day. I say good morning every day, find out how people are doing. Um, I'm in and out, you know, most of the time, maybe three, maybe four, maybe five times, depending on, 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 you know, what's going on in my day. But I make a point of saying good night to them every night and sweet dreams and all of that. So it has grown from Yahoo to the Bevyville. We call it the, 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 the Purple Lady because we've got one of those old 19th century houses as, as where we live. I also have the brand page where we meet. We don't meet as often as we used to, but twice a month we would have book club. Yes. And, you know, we'd read one of my books and we'd spend, the, you know, two, sometimes three hours, depending on how much fun we're having with me posting questions and them posting answers and I'm playing music and, you know, we're there all night long. And I asked them to, to the, one of the last questions is, you know, to um, cast the movie. So they come out with who they want as hero, who they want as heroine, who they want, as, <laughs> yes. you know, which is fine. And, you know, and I'm spanning now probably four generations of women and readers. Um, I have, the old hens like me who started out with me in 94, I have their daughters who are now, some of them in their 40s and their 50s. I have the college ladies, and then I have the young girls who read the, uh, the, the two YAs who are now reading what we all call the big girl books. So, you know, I'm touching a lot of people, and they have really, really brightened my life. You know, and as an author, you know, you try and treat the people who read your books with the generosity and the love that they show you because they pay in your mortgage. You know, mm -hmm. they buy in your car. Mm -hmm. They are very, very valuable to me. And community has always been a very, very integral part of my books also. So, so we've got the Bevyville group. We have the Fans of Beverly Jenkins group, which is one of the readers started. We have the Beverly Jenkins brand page. And then I had to put up a spoiler page. Because <laughs> the readers, you know, they read the book so quickly. If a book comes out at midnight, at 6 a.m., somebody wants to talk about the book. So <laughs> yeah. rather than yeah, rather than have them on the page spoiling it for everybody who hasn't, you know, didn't read it and, and, and snorted down an hour. I gave them a special place where they can all go and they can discuss the book and not spoil it for those who have not read it. So I've got probably four pages of, of, of women um, and then the Twitter group, too. So community is important. You know, one reader at a time. It's sort of like McDonald's, how they built their empire one hamburger at a time. I built my little land with, you know, one book at a time, one reader at a time. And they mean a lot to me. Oh, man. You know, of these, a uh, couple of the groups I actually didn't know about. So as soon as we are done here, I will be going, I will be planting myself there. And then my other question is, speaking of community, I, I just don't know of a more excited group in a community than readers. I, I just don't. And, and one of these was really expressed when King Arthur Flower, when they... <laughs> In the stands of flowers, and we stand, Miss Beverly Jenkins. That was fun. Well, you know, we were going through the, the, you know, the COVID quarantine, and we were all cooking, and you know, people looking for yeast and all that. And I, and we were, a couple people were bemoaning the fact that um, King Arthur's flower, which is what a lot of I'm finding a lot of women exclusively use, they were out. And, you know, so people were sort of bemoaning, bemoaning that. And um, it sort of evolved into us saying, you know, how much people loved um, King Arthur Flower. And then we got the note back that, you know, King Arthur stands romance because I guess they got romance readers there. Hey, <laughs> um, one of the ladies on my page knew their social media person. And she's a reader of romance. So she was the one who reached out to us and said, you know, we stand romance. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun moment. Not expected, for sure. 
but you know they are now the official flower <laughs> of Romancelandia. <laughs> Roman- yeah. You know, King Arthur flower. So you never know what's oh. going to happen in Romancelandia. Every day is something different. So it really is, and I will take all the joy that we could get for uh, it. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and I would be remiss if I did not ask you what one of your favorite things to bake is. Um, I have a few favorites. Um, <clears throat> lemon meringue pie is a favorite, um, which I need to make this weekend for Juneteenth. Peanut butter cookies, chocolate pound cake, uh, cinnamon rolls, sticky buns. Because, you know, I grew up with a mom who was a baker. You know, we were poor kids and, you know, it wasn't like you could go to the store and just buy a box of cookies. You know, so we made all our cookies and stuff and made bread and you know, I, I rem- and my siblings and I talk about this, you know, coming home from elementary school and turning the corner onto our block and being able to smell my mother's donuts. Oh, my God. And we would break into a run in order to get to the house to eat scratch donuts that she had been home making all day for us. So oh, yeah. I got a tradition and have passed that on to my daughter. So, yeah, I love to bake. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Miss Beth. You're very welcome, Mika. Thank you for the great questions. Hi, I'm Piper Hughley, and my first Jenkins story is, is really kind of interesting, given that I don't really remember my first Jenkins. But what I do recall is that around the time of my first Jenkins, I was in graduate school, which was a very dark, unfriendly kind of place. And I just recall that uh, every October, as her uh, historicals were released back then, I would have the comfort of looking forward to the Beverly Jenkins, Zetas Beverly Jenkins historical novel coming out and being able to purchase it and I would quickly read it and feel reassured, reassured enough that that uh, historical story, that remembering of history that has been forgotten was enough to uh, keep me going through a pretty, pretty bad time in terms of graduate school. In the graduate school, no, it's like running a gauntlet, but those novels kept me going. my question but I just wanted to let you know that I was like staunchly like I'm getting teary eyed thinking about this but um I was like very like I didn't want to read historical because it was just like I know I felt like everything in our past was paid and I really it was really hard for me to read it then when I read your book and I'm like that's not everything about black people is not pain. We did have joy in our lives. And I thought back, like, if we didn't have joy and romance, I wouldn't be here. Like, my grandparents were married. My great-grandparents were married. And, like, without that love, I wouldn't be here. My son wouldn't be here. So, like, I just really want to thank you. Like, it really changed my perspective on what Black history is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And in the midst of all this, I read Vivid. It was my first time reading Vivid, and it just really hit home that, like, we are here, and we've been here, and we've been moving towards a future that we deserve. And it's just, it just really... I just really appreciate your books for that, you know. <laughs> I understand. You got me crying too, girl. <laughs> no shame in our game. No shame yeah. in it. No shame in it. And another yeah, but- thing that hit me in vivid is you talked about the AME church and my cousin. He's a he's a bishop in the AME church in Delaware, and he's we had went to his event to have him be a bishop and they talked about the history of the AME church and I was like it just really connected to me because my cousin is yeah I just was like oh that's so neat like every little tidbit of history it just really makes me want to look more into 
our history. And I have a picture of, I'm going to share it. I'm going to have to share it with you on Twitter. I have a picture of my, it's my great, great grandfather. Uh-huh. And I'm and when I look at the picture, I'm like, oh, he looks like somebody out of a Beverly Jenkins book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love I'm it. I'm happy to share it to you. I can't share it publicly because if if people in my family knew that my dad had that picture, it'd be like a big family fight. So okay, no, we I'll can't have no fight. No, we don't need no fights. We don't need no fights. But you know it. But what you're saying about the pain, you know. That's seemingly all, I don't, you know, Hollywood and, and, and all of that, that's, that's the only focus is our pain. And like you said, if we, we wouldn't have survived had everything been about pain. Right. You know, we came home to somebody who loved us and that gave us the strength to get up the next morning and go out and deal with the bullshit that you know America and these lemons that they keep giving us and and make that lemonade so you got me crying here too but you know <laughs> and you know and I get that a lot from my readers especially you know in the beginning where they were I mean and I had readers a woman in my in, at, at my beauty shop who was saying I, I don't read your books because you know that didn't happen to us you know that way and I'm like really really right you know we are more than our pain. I call it pain porn. You know, I would like to see some stories. And yes, I'm shamelessly saying I would like to see my stuff on the screen <laughs> in order to give people a truer version of who we are and who we were and how clever our ancestors were and how intelligent and how strong. So, yeah, I, I understand the tears. I understand the tears. <laughs> and I thank you for that tribute. So my question is, and I follow you on Twitter, so I see a lot of your tweets, and you just did one recently, but you're like very supportive of young up up and coming black writers. Um, you tweeted about one of my faves, um, Chancia C. Higgins about her paranormal book. Yes, I love those werewolves. <laughs> oh my god, what a great book. Um, what is your advice to young writers, not just black writers, but any young writers coming up now, what advice would you give them? The first thing I'm going to tell them is finish the book. <laughs> I always say that. Finish the damn book. Don't worry that first draft. Nobody's going to see that. You're not going to send that first draft to anybody. If you do, go sit in the corner because it's not good enough for anybody to see. First drafts are terrible. They're supposed to be. Finish that first draft so that you'll have a sense of accomplishment. And then after you let it sit for, you know, a week or sit on the stove like you're doing sauce or cooking jambalaya or, you know, <laughs> cooking greens or whatever, then um, take it out and then start to polish it. You know, then worry about plot, then worry about characters, then worry about, you know, shining it and, and, and honing it and, 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 and making it the jewel that you want to be. And then my other piece of advice, and I give this a lot, too is don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't let somebody else's success make you feel less. They're on their journey. You're on yours. You can't have somebody else's blessings. <laughs> you got your own coming, but you got to finish the damn book first. Right, okay. right. So those are my two uh, Mama Bev pieces of advice. <laughs> And another question, because, but I, like I said, I saw you rec- um, with your big list recommending all authors, not just black authors, um, indigenous authors, Latinx authors, Asian authors, South Asian authors. What romance recs from like inclusive authors would you give to our audience? Uh, I love Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Oh my God. I mean, who would think a motorcycle guy would be a kick-ass and, oh, my God, in bed, great uh, nanny. Um, I loved uh, G.A. Aiken's uh, Blacksmith Queen, which is sort of, you know, a little bit of fantasy. Uh, you got some shapeshifters. You got, 
a woman who's descended from blacksmiths um, and a kick-ass mama. I would I recommend Angelina Lopez, uh, her uh, Lush Money, which I loved. Anything by Sonali Dev. Of course, anything by uh, Alicia Rye and um, Alyssa Cole. And I mean, there's so many women of color of all nationalities who are out there, you know, kicking butt. So, you know, the more you bring them into the light, the more people can see them. My thing is, I hope that out of that, those lists that we posted, that white authors will start highlighting them on their websites. When they find a book that they like, because you ain't going to like everybody, everything. Nobody, nobody likes everything. Right. You know, there are white writers that you're like, okay, I'm not reading no more her. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't turn you off of the whole genre. <clears throat> right, right. So if they run across somebody that they don't like, I mean, pick up somebody else <clears throat> and highlight that on their websites and tell people why, you know, tell their white readers why they love this book so much. So that people get a sense that it's romance. It's not just black romance. It's not just South Asian romance. It's not just you know, Asian romance. It's not just, you know, queer romance. It's romance. So, you know, and when you got a platform that, you know, and my little platform is, you know, small compared to, you know, a bunch of people. But I got a few folks. Okay. I've got a few followers. And the more, I mean, and when, you, when you're given, you know, it's like Bernadine Brown from, from my Blessing series. She operates on the fact that when much is given, much is expected. So I got a big ass platform. I can use my light to highlight other people because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make the path wider, not just for, you know, myself. I'm coming through a door that was opened for me. So I'd like to keep that door open for the people coming up behind me. So that way I can look myself in the mirror and know that, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. So right. I don't know if that answers your question. And I get a, I get up here on the soapbox and I'll be like, well, what did she ask me? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you know, you always get to go on a tangent when you just start getting in your mind, but you answered it perfectly. <laughs> okay, good. I need to know. I need to know. Thank you, darling. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I went to a romance authors panel at Politics and Prose Bookstore in Washington, D.C. On the panel were Sarah McLean and Lisa Klepas, the only two authors I'd read, and they were joined by Beverly Jenkins and Alicia Rye. There was a young woman in the audience, around 20 years old, who was there with her mother and grandmother. When it came time for Q&A, she spoke, and she was in tears talking to Beverly Jenkins about her books and what they meant to her and how she'd shared them with her mom and grandma and how they were moved as well. It was a very powerful moment. I went to her website while in line for the signing and looked up all of Beverly Jenkins' work and have since read them. Indigo being my favorite and the only book in the history of my commute where I've been so caught up I missed my Metro shop. Okay, Miss Bev, I believe it is my turn again. You know, Danny, I, I get it because when I started reading romance. I didn't even know that I really wanted romance with people who looked like me until we really, until there was really a big, you know, push. And I started finding out more names. And I remember the first romance that I read and my first thought was, oh, well, that's not really realistic. And then I had to really check myself. Like, why isn't that realistic? If it is, if a Duke can, <laughs> can go and look hot in the 1800s oh lord yes and you know and his hygiene is on point in the 1800s of england you know or if a billionaire can do this and that why is it that the books that that i read why is it that when it comes to to black protagonists that it has to be about pain and struggle and i'm not saying that those things are 
are you know that people should not read those or that those are bad because they're they're not that we need joy and there's so much more to our to our existence than that so um which i really got from your book the blessing series i know we've been on the historical we've been talking about that but i wanted to just tell you how comforting the the blessing series has been and i have been telling everyone about that book <laughs> and it is like a warm hug yeah. and it, and it's so incredibly comforting. And I read it during a time when I really needed comfort and to be quite honest with you, I'm probably going to reread it. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are binging on those right now. And, you know, and the, the great thing about Henry Adams is the different demographics that are reading it. I mean, everybody wants to move to Henry Adams. I don't care what color they are. I don't care how old they are. I don't care their gender, their identity. It has struck a chord across uh, America and in some places around the world. So I think it might be a pretty good series. (laughs) (laughs) It is an incredibly good series. I love it. So I wanted to ask you, what what books do you turn to like for your comfort reads? I read fantasy. I read fantasy. I read N.K. Jemison. I read Rebecca Roanhorse. I read, oh, Max Gladstone, Jim Butcher, Pat Briggs, and my favorite, favorite two folks, Alona Andrews. Her and Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, Alona and Gordon are just absolutely fucking amazing. So, so fantasy is my comfort. Um, I read a lot of nonfiction too. Um, sometimes that's comfort. Sometimes that's research, but it it fills the hole in ways that sometimes other books don't do. But yes. yeah, you know, you know, but one of the downsides of being an avid reader and being a writer is that you don't get to read as much. You know, I'm enjoying this travel free summer. Usually I'm on the road in the summertime. I just wish it wasn't because of COVID. Yes, but, ma'am. You know, but, you know, I'm enjoying this. This, this travel free summer because, you know, hopefully I get to do, you know, a little bit more writing and a lot more reading. So it's been a plus, you know, and I'm a hermit anyway. I don't never leave my house. So a lot of people are struggling and I understand the struggle of, of being, you know, on quarantine and all of that. But, and I'm always on quarantine. I get my groceries. I've had my groceries delivered <laughs> for the last, you know, two years. I, I don't leave my house. So, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that people are finding the Blessing series to be a comfort because we all need comfort at some point. Yes, ma'am. We, that we do. Well, thank you so much. And what are you reading right now at the moment? Right now, I'm just playing on Twitter, as I always am. Um, I'm working in a garden because usually at this time, I'm looking at the garden going, okay, I got another airplane to get on. The weeds are going to win. So I've been spending my time on my knees, you know, giving thanks and, and pulling weeds. So, you know, I, I'm sure I'll find something to read soon. But right now I'm just sort of and cleaning my house. Jesus, I've been on deadline for five years and my house is like a hazmat site. So but I keep you posted on what I'm reading. OK, thank you. Sarah Jean, did you have a question? I did not, but it's in in honor listening to Miss Bev talk about her books, and I'm so excited to go read some now. (laughs) Yay. Thank you, Sarah Jean. I mean, seriously, I could just listen to you all day. I think we all could. (laughs) Absolutely. Girl, don't encourage me. We'll be here till till next Wednesday. You know. It's okay. I got it. I'll drag I'll drag a chair out here on the deck. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be here till Wednesday. I have I have never met a microphone I did not like. And they're getting ready to do a lot of um a lot of my backlist is getting ready to be available on Audible. So I mean, there are some that are out there that were done years ago. They're like a thousand cassettes. <laughs> That's a lot of cassettes. <laughs> it's a lot of cassettes, girl. I'm um, so excited about the backlist on audio. That yeah. makes me very happy. Yeah, that makes me happy, too, because a lot of my, and I'm not an audio girl, you know, but I have girlfriends who are judges for the Audis, and they're like, when are we getting the rest of these damn books? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's feeding a, a, a 
feeding a thirst that is out there. So now most of the time I start reading yours in audio and then end up having to switch to the ebook because I'm so stressed or worried about something and like okay, I can't wait for that. Well, you know, I had in the beginning, black women were not big romance readers. I mean, we had a a, a huge black women reading, you know, in romance. But for those who were not, when Night Song was first published, I ran into quite a few women who didn't finish the book because they thought that Chase or Carolee would die at the end of the book. And I'm like, no, that's not what we do. We do the HEA or the HFN. They're not, no, I'm not going to kill any, I may kill some people, but I'm not going to kill <laughs> my hero and my heroine. So yeah. I had to explain that to more than one person. I know I have a lot of friends who read with audio and I'm like, okay, listen, I'll not, all these books are on audio. So the Kindle app, it's accessible voiceover. You're just going to have to read it on there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that it's, 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 it's helping folks. I have a brother-in-law um, who is legally blind and I got a text from my sister who, who he's married to the other day. And she said he is ordering books four through nine of the blessing series because you know it's now accessible for him and he is he is binging his ass off you know with, with these blessing series and being able to access it so it's even affected my family so I'm glad it's in a lot of different formats for for every person regardless of their ability so yeah and Ms. Bev we just want to thank you so much for joining us today like seriously it has been so it has been such a treat, just such a joy to have you. Well, I'm having a, I'm having fun. I love doing these. So, um, have me back in another 20 years when, <laughs> <laughs> or sooner than that, you know, because girlfriend is 70. So, you know, I don't know if y'all want a 90 year old old lady, you know, screaming from her porch at y'all. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for the invite. It's, 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 it's been fun. So thank you so much for listening to Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. And we have had Miss Bev. She has given you all a plethora of books to go read. So she has many. She has given many. So and we just hope that you that you find your joy where you can and happy reading. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours, a new weekly podcast celebrating inclusive romance, one trope at a time. If you like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.